get your Bibles open to the book of Genesis, I want to uh, talk tonight about a story. How many have ever uh, needed money? Anybody in here got too much? <laughs> too much of that? I want to talk a little bit about God sanctifying our pocketbooks or our wallets or our purses. And uh, the Lord put this on my heart for tonight, for Wednesday night service. Um, but I want to tell a little story. How many know that uh, one of the last things to get saved is this? It really is. And, you know, 1 Timothy 6, most of us know that verse, the love of money is the root of all evil. Money's not evil. It's the lo- People get that twisted a lot of times. They say, man, lo- money's evil. No, the love of money's evil. So as Christians, we got to get our wallets sanctified. God saves us. He gives us a new heart. He gives us a new life. And all those things change. But a lot of times, this is the truth, a lot of times the, there are people who are serving God and living for God and they still haven't gotten this right yet. They still hold on to it and they still say, mine. Right? Like a little kid, right? In the nursery. Mine. And I want to just show you a few things tonight to kind of touch on, your, on our hearts about um, being generous givers and being faithful. How many have had opportunities to um, do the right thing when it comes to money? Amen. Opportunities like I did this week when I went to cash a check. Um, it was for four fifty, and so I should have got you know four hundred and fifty dollars back when I cashed this check. This check came and and I saw her counting out, and I knew it was more than four fifty, and then she gave it to me. And then I walked, because I had two checks, that, so it wasn't just one. And I, I kept thinking in my mind, this is not, that's not the right amount. So I got it, and I started walking away, and I said, I'm going to count it. And I counted it, and it was 500 instead of 450 Now, a lot of times, we can have that happen, and we can say, oh, the Lord just blessed me. God just blessed me with $50. Now, how many could use $50 tonight? $50 goes a long ways. And a lot of times, if we don't have our hearts right, we can, we can say, man, God blessed me. Thank God. But you know what the problem with that is? First of all, it's not honest. First of all, second of all, it's not right. And that person that made the mistake, a human mistake, is not only going to have to pay for it a lot of times. It goes on their record. It messes them up as tellers. And, uh, the, you know, most of us in our banks we go to, we go there a lot and you get to know the people. I know all the people in there and they know me by name. And I don't know if they know I'm a pastor or not, but that doesn't matter. I, I, they know I'm a Christian because I give them tracts and stuff. But I went back to her and I said, you gave me too much money. She says, oh, thank you so much for coming back. And then I asked her, I said, if, if I would have, you know, does that, when that happens, does it come out of your check? And I, that's what I would have thought. She said, no. She said, if it's worse than coming out of my check because it goes on my record. So it's worse than the money. It's worse than coming out of the check and it can help her lose her job and all that. So I just give that example that we all, we all have that, that happen. Maybe it's change. Maybe it's, you know, little things here and there where we, 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 uh, there are blessings. Trust me, blessings do happen. But a blessing's never, it's never of God if it's somebody else's mistake and they're going to get in trouble for it. Okay, you always got to make that right because you would want them to do that right for you. You'd want them to come back in and do that for you so you wouldn't lose your job. So I said that to start off because when it comes to, to our money and and, and giving our things to the Lord and our finances and our tithes and our offerings, a lot of times it's a heart issue that we have wrong. 
That's why the Bible says the love of money is, is the root of all evil. Okay? So I want us to look at Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4. And I'm going to read a story to you. Some of you have heard it. But I want to show you some things maybe you haven't seen tonight. Give me an amen when you get there. And um, we're going to read about Cain and Abel. These were Adam and Eve's sons. Now, most people know the story of Cain and Abel. And what they know about Cain and Abel is that Cain killed Abel. Right? That's pretty much everybody knows that story. So when you say Cain and Abel, that's kind of, you know, what we think of. Cain killed Abel. It was the first murder, first bloodshed, and all those different things. But the, when you talk about the root of, of the love of money being the root of all evil, what you see here is the fact that bad choices lead to bad things. I, I don't know why I've been doing this a lot, but lately just saying over and over again, when you want to do right with God, you're making one good choice followed up by another good choice, followed up by another good decision, followed up by doing the right thing again. And, and, and when you're growing in the Lord and your heart is right, that's what you're doing. One good thing after another, one right thing after another. And if you do make a mistake and you do uh, do something wrong, you don't follow it up with another wrong thing. You try to fix it. And you get it right. And so that's where the blessing of God comes in when we begin to do the right thing over and over and over again. Now, before we read this, um, the elementary understanding of money is that I, I almost showed a video I've showed before. Many of you remember a guy comes in and he gives uh, this guy sitting there doing homework or something. He's a college guy and he gives him a box of donuts. Y'all remember that? Yeah. He goes, here, this box of donuts is for you. And the guy's like, Why? He says, just because you look hungry. And so he goes, well, I am kind of hungry. So he, he grabs a donut and he starts eating it. He goes, man, this is a really good donut. And so he keeps eating another and he grabs another one. And then all of a sudden, the guy that gave him the donuts said, can I have just one? And the guy grabbed the box and kind of pulled it closer to him and said, well, you know, I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm going to maybe eat a donut for lunch too. And I was thinking about taking this home to my, to my wife and kids. And, and so he, all the guy wanted was one back and he wouldn't give one back out of the 12 that the guy gave him and it says on the screen there it says God doesn't want your 10% he's giving you 90% and that's what tithing is it's not that God is asking for 10 from us it's that he's given us 90 and that's the way we have to look at it you have to look at it the right way because the Bible says in James 1 that every good and perfect gift comes from God so if you have a job, God gave that job to you. If you're healthy, God gave that health to you. If you have money, God gave that money to you. And you know what? We can't get around the fact that we need money. We all need it. And, and every one of us here, not one of us is exempt on this. Every one of us has gone up and gone down in finances. We've all had times where we had, it doesn't mean we were rich, but we had more. We've had times we've had less. We've had times we've had none. We've, I, I guarantee you there's probably not a person here who's never had a time when they haven't gone in the red on their bank account, where they haven't had a check bounce like a basketball, amen, where they haven't had um, maybe their lights turned off, or they didn't have much to eat, you know, it was the uh, bread and butter time, you know, uh, soup, chili, whatever. You know, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. We've all been there. There's no one in the world that hasn't been those places. 
But there's nobody that's going to say it's not better to have more than less. And this goes back to, I think, last Sunday's message of miracles and blessings. Do we want to live paycheck to paycheck? I'm not saying it's wrong to live paycheck to paycheck, but most of us do. Do you want to live paycheck to paycheck hoping for a miracle? Or would you rather live in the blessings of God and know that he's providing because you're walking in covenant with him? And so what we do is when we get saved is our wallet gets saved and God begins to say through his word, he begins to teach us that, okay, now, and we know this takes time. And we're very careful about that in church. That's why I'm talking about this on a Wednesday. Not that I can't talk about it on a Sunday, but people that, you know, they have weird thoughts about money anyways. And and I talked about how TV messes all that up and all these different things. But once you begin to get saved, uh, you begin to realize we take up tithes and offerings and you begin to realize, wow, we, we have to pay for these lights. We have to pay for the building. We have to do a whole lot of stuff just to have church here. And then you start realizing how much money it takes. You know, we took up that offering for for Pastor Dylan and Ashley to be able to do. That's a miracle. But all that comes from tithes and offerings. And God begins to teach us in his word what it is. And so I want to get that out clearly first before we get into the story. Is The simplicity is that of every dollar that I make, God gets ten. That's the simplicity. At least and, and what you have to understand, and we'll see this in just a second, I'm just giving a quick foundation. This is a good teaching night. I'm giving you a quick foundation. 10% is non-negotiable. It's not something that you choose as a believer. You, you, it's something that's, that is, a, is a, 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 a mandate. It's a command of God. And it's not something you can say, well, I, you know, this month I can't afford to give 10. So I'm going to give 7, or I'm going to give 5, or I'm not going to tithe. That, that's, that's dangerous. Maybe you're new in the Lord. Maybe you're struggling. Maybe you struggle and, and you would say, I can't afford to tithe. That's not true. You can't afford not to tithe. Because when you don't tithe, this goes back to what we talked about last week. God don't bless mess. So I can't pray every day, Lord, meet my needs. Lord, pay my bills. Lord, do a miracle if I'm not doing what God's asking me to do. And so I get paid $100. It doesn't matter if I owe a bill. It doesn't matter if, I, if I'm behind on something. That $100, 90 of it's mine. 10 of it's God's. And when you get that in your spirit and you get that in your head, you'll live a successful and blessed and happy life when you don't think, well, I can just, you know, I can just do it this time and not next time, or I can try it this time and try, not try it the next time. If everybody would just do their part, the church, not just this church, every church in the world will never lack Amen. if everybody would just do their part. Okay? Now, so that's the understanding. Out of every dollar, a dime is God's. But I want to show you what happens when we don't do it right, and, and so we, we hear Cain and Abel, and we know Cain killed Abel, and he murdered him. But there was something that happened before Cain killed Abel. And it was an attitude of his heart. He did not just wake up one day and kill Abel. Something happened. Why don't you look at it? Chapter 4 of Genesis. Now verse 1. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain. Cain was first. And I have acquired, she said, a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time, his brother Abel. Now watch this carefully, next few verses. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain was a tiller of the ground. So they both had jobs. They both worked. And it says, and in the process of time, 
Now this is very interesting. In the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground of the Lord. Now before I continue on, just realize whether it was God just coming down and specifically just telling them or, or they just had a revelation or however that happened, they knew somehow in the very beginning of time they were supposed to give something to God. We don't see the scripture saying, but I always go back and, I, and I, I believe the Lord gave this to me many years ago. I think it was a personal revelation. I've never heard it taught or anything and not saying I, I own it or and nobody else has, but I had never heard it. I felt like the Lord showed me all the way back to the garden that we see the principle of tithing in the garden. When God said you can have everything in this garden but that tree. It's really the principle of, of, of tithing. He says, everything is yours, but that's mine. And what he's basically saying is, don't touch that. And so when you talk about tithes, he's saying, don't touch my tithes. Those are mine. And, but what he does is he could just have chosen to just give us 90%, but he chooses to use us and trust us, and he wants to give us the 100. He wants us to give us the box full of donuts, and then he wants to see us faithfully give one back. Or in this case, it would be 1.2. Right? And that's just how he chose. So it's very interesting that in this story, we see that all of a sudden time is passing and he's working because you realize it wasn't overnight that that fruit began to, or, or, or vegetables or whatever he was doing began to grow. So all of a sudden he gets it all and something inside of him or God tells him or however it worked says, I need to give to the Lord out of this. Isn't that interesting? So move on with this. It says, and it came time that passed that Cain, sorry, brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Now we're going to do something important on words here. Verse 4, Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And watch this, and the Lord respected Abel and his offering. Okay, the Lord respected Abel and his offering. But look, look what happens with, with Cain. But he, verse 5, did not respect Cain. And his offering, and Cain went away very angry, and his countenance fell. Interesting, right? Both of them are working, and here's the interesting both of them gave. If you don't, if you don't get revelation of the Lord on this, you, it can be very confusing that, it, that, that, that God was displeased with, with Cain's offering, but he was pleased with Abel when they both gave. And so one of the first things that you can pull out of that is that you don't ever want to do anything with the right, wrong motives. You don't ever want to do anything with the wrong heart. That's why the Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. It means he wants us to give out of the right attitude of our hearts. And when you get your wallet sanctified, you begin to thank God and realize, man, if it wasn't for God giving me this job, I wouldn't have any money in the first place. So it's a hard issue. If you're taking any notes tonight or if you don't get anything else tonight out of this message, go home understanding money is a heart issue. That's good. That's good. Money is a heart issue. People who have problems with money have problems with their heart. I'm not saying that to be mean. I'm just saying that that's the fact. People that are not generous need a touch on their heart. They need a tug on their heart. They need to get to a place where they become generous. If you're here and you don't feel like you're a generous person, God can change you. God can help you. Just like in any other area of your life, it takes work. 
But you say, God, I want to sanctify my wallet. I want to, I want to be able to be a generous person. We're seeing something very important here. And I picked up on this. I almost sent this out to a few disciples today just to see, get some feedback. I was going to tell them, don't, look, don't go study. Don't just read it and see what happens. I want to see if, I like to do that sometimes, see what people pick up on. This isn't an open forum. We had a great forum, by the way, last night. This isn't an open forum, so I'm not going to ask you to give me feedback. But if I did, some of you might have picked up on something in these verses we just read. Some of you might not. Just by a raise of hands, did you pick anything up? Don't tell me what it was. Anybody see something there that was distinct? Okay. Somebody like, I'm going to raise my hand anyways because they won't know the difference. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Amen. Here's what I noticed. Go back to verse 4. Verse 3, sorry. Cain brought a what? What did Cain bring? No, Cain brought an offering. He brought an offering. Okay, offerings are good. We have a whole lot of people today who give offerings. I call them tips. People tip God. I'm not saying that mean. That's just what people do. Well, I just, you know, I don't have much on me, so I'm just going to, I'm not talking about just in a service you don't have money or whatever. I'm talking about out of the month. People tip God. So an offering. Offerings are great, but offerings come after tithe. And if you go on to notice the next thing here, it says, Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord, and Abel also brought, but what did Abel bring? His firstborn and his first fruit. Someone's going to get something right here. This is good teaching. Cain gave an offering, Abel gave first fruits. Tithes are first fruits. That means. And I'm not, I'm not trying to be like dogmatic or I'm just trying to get you to understand the importance of this. When you get paid, the best thing you can do, and I practice this myself, is as soon as I have money in my hands, my tithe is to the side. Immediately. Because that's first fruits. There's something about the principle of taking out what's God's first because it's called first fruits. Okay. And, and, I, and now you might, now it might be like, oh, wow, that's what is the beginning of this teaching is that God was not pleased because uh, somehow, some way, we don't know what it is, somehow, some way, it had been relayed to them that you need to give me first fruits. And so Cain brought an offering instead of first fruits. Y'all seeing that? And so there's two things that happen here that causes God to be displeased. Number one is he disobeys. He does not bring first fruits. The fact that Abel brought first fruits shows us that God asked for first fruits because he was pleased with Abel's offering or Abel's tithe. And the other thing is, is that Cain's heart was wrong. So here's the interesting thing. Cain could have even gave tithe and had his heart wrong. Okay, so we have to be careful, just like anything, when we worship, that we don't worship just to worship. When we pray, we don't pray just to pray. When we come to church, we don't come just to come to church. Everything we do should come from the heart. And I'm not talking about a bad day, or I'm talking about generally. We have to make sure that everything we're doing is from the heart. Now, just finish reading this part. So he says, so the Lord said, this is the interesting thing. 
The Lord said, Cain, why are you angry? Now that's what's interesting. Why are you angry, Cain? And why has your countenance fallen? Here's verse 7. Here's the key. If you do well, or in other words, if you do what's right, you, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, watch this, sin lies at your door. And its desire is for you, he says, but you should rule over it. What does Jesus say in Matthew 6? He says, you cannot love God and mammon. You cannot love God and money. You can't. You can say it all day long, but God has to be the first in your life and money cannot be first. And if God has your, your heart, he'll have your wallet too. And it won't be something you hold back. Amen? Now, don't take any of this tonight as condemning. I'm, not con- I'm just teaching you. I'm just teaching you the importance of first fruits. And I could give you hundreds of verses, but I'm showing you something that's not used all the time for tithes and offers. I could have taken you easily just to Malachi and showed you very clearly that says, bring your first fruits in and, 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 and your offerings. But I wanted to show you some, some different examples tonight that are not the everyday examples, but it shows the heart. Now let's go quickly to Matthew um, chapter 23. Just go quickly to Matthew 23. Most people will say, and and again, I have to kind of teach this way because I know some some of us have been raised in church or people have been in church before, they've heard things. And we know that everybody always goes, we talked about this last night, everybody goes to Jesus. Well, Jesus never taught tithes. Jesus, you know, never taught again. He always wanted to do that. And they're wrong every time. Because he did. He taught it all. And here's what's interesting. Let's look at Matthew 23. Because what people will say is that tithing's Old Testament. It's not for the New Testament. Verse 23. Chapter 23, verse 23. You got that? Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and and and, and eyes and cumin. So he says you pay tithes and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. He says, though these you ought to have done without what? Without leaving the others undone. So what Jesus does, and just as a quick lesson for some people that don't know this. Anything that needs to be changed in the New Testament, Jesus addresses and changes it. If he does not address it and change it, it continues from the Old Testament. Okay? It goes on. Here's an example. Some people say, well, the Ten Commandments are no longer um, uh, you know, valid. Lie. That's not true. Ten Commandments are valid. We should live by them. But what Jesus did was he said, the way you sum up the Ten Commandments is in these things, that you, these two things, that you love God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, your body, your strength, that's one, and that you love your neighbor as yourself. So he never changed the Ten Commandments. He said, this is how you sum up those, and if you love me and you love your neighbor, you won't kill them, and you won't have adultery, you won't covet, you won't lie, you won't steal. So he, he doesn't change the Ten Commandments, but he addresses it. So here he addresses tithes, but he doesn't change it. He does not say stop tithing. 
He says, you tithe of your mint and your cumin. And obviously they didn't have the same, you know, getting a check like we do or getting a now direct deposit. Or the, the money was different then. But when they would get their stuff, he says, you, you, you uh, scribes and you Pharisees, you hypocrites, you, you do the tithe thing. So he's, he's, he's even saying there, they're tithing, but they're doing it with the wrong heart. And you're doing it to be seen. Okay? So he addresses it, but does not change it. Now, there's even something even more interesting. If you look at verse 1, this is even more interesting. Actually, don't look at that yet. I want to I take you one place and come back to it. Go to Nehemiah. Go to Nehemiah. Old Testament. After Ezra. Which is after the Chronicles. It's in the beginning. It's one of the first books. Um, Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah. And I want to show you something. If you never read Nehemiah, Nehemiah was, was a house of God lover. He loved the house of God. I love God's house. I, I had a, one of our kids ask me tonight, do you live here? <laughs> I said, I'm here a lot, but I don't live here. I love the house of God. When I'm here in the morning praying and when I'm here uh, walking around, I thank God all the time for this building. I thank God for a place to come to worship God. I'm thankful. I love the house of God. There's people who don't love the house of God. They've got issues. They don't like to gather together. They, they want to be lone rangers. God established this. Nehemiah loved God's house. You read the whole chapter. He built a wall. He built the temple. He protected the temple. He loved God and he loved God's house. And I want to show you something in Nehemiah. If I can get there myself. In chapter uh, 10. Let me see if I want to read 13 first or 10. Let's read 10. You there? Anybody getting anything? Verse 35. Now, before I read this, how many know that we have two ordinances in the New Testament that we do? Anybody recognize that name, ordinance? Two things we do, so to speak, religiously, but not. One is water baptism, and the other one is communion. Okay, those are two ordinances. That's the word that's in the Bible. There are things that we do one, they're, they're both symbolic. Water baptism is not for salvation. It's symbolic of our salvation. It's symbolic of the old man dying and the new man being coming out of the water. Communion is the symbol of the blood and the body and waiting for his return. Okay, so those are ordinances. Those are things that are set. And just like we, we know in communion, some people do it every week. Some do it once a month. Some do it every two or three months. The Bible doesn't say how often to do it. It says, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. So there's ordinances. Those are things that are set in, in place that says, this is, these are things I want you to do. So the word ordinance, if you look at verse 35 out of Nehemiah 10, says, And we made ordinances to do what? To bring the first fruits of our ground and the first fruits of all the trees year by year to the house of the Lord. And look at the word we see from Cain and Abel. To bring the firstborn. Y'all looking at this? Verse 35. To bring the firstborn of our sons and our cattle as it is written in the what? The law. And you see it again. The firstborn of our herds and our flocks to where? Where we bring it? To the house of our God. Not to TBN. Not to a ministry that feeds people. 
Those are great. Whatever ministry you want to want to talk about, those are great. You don't tithe to ministries. You don't tithe to TV. You don't tithe to any place but the house of God. Amen. That's where tithes go. Amen. Okay, there's many scriptures on that. If you're tithing somewhere besides the house of God, you're not doing it like God said to do it. Okay, it, tithe belongs in the house. You have to have, ask people, have, have people ask me all the time in Costa Rica, can I take some of my tithe and feed somebody that's poor? Can I take my tithe in this? Can I take, I said, you can do whatever you want, but if you want what the Bible says, no. Tithe is for the house of God. Did you read that? It's for the house of God. And it says, keep reading, where, where were we at? End of 36. To bring the first fruits of our dough. I kind of like that. We've adopted that now. Dough. Our offerings, the fruit from all kinds of trees, the new wine and oil, to the priest, to the storerooms. You'll see that in Malachi 3. Of the house of our God. You see that again. House of our God. And to bring what? The tithes of our land to the Levites. For the Levites should receive the tithes in our farming community. So he's saying here that the tithe comes in to take care of the house and to take care of the priests that take care of the house. Amen. Okay, that's, that's what that does. Now, we know today, obviously, in many places, there's major abuse on that. You guys, you got people that are living in mansions. You got people that are driving Bentleys. You got people that are abusing that. But that does not take away from the fact that God established that the tithes and the offerings would come into the house to take care of the house. Amen. And that the house would take care of the Levite or the priest, the pastor, whoever's taking care of the church. Amen. Okay? And then it goes on to last, end of 39. He says, and we will not neglect the house of our God. Amen? We will not neglect the house of our God. Now go over to 13. This is interesting because I've been preaching for 23 years and I've never preached on Cain and Abel and I've never preached on Nehemiah. Pretty amazing for me. Because you think after 23 years you've preached it all. I've preached these things, these, you know, I've preached out on Nehemiah, but I've never preached these two stories. So it's pretty amazing how the word just keeps on coming alive. Amen? I love new stuff. So then it says in verse 11, I'm showing you the heart. God wants you to have a heart for the house of God. So I contended with the rulers, verse 11 of chapter 13. I contended with the rulers and said, why is the house of God forsaken? Let me know that we should, we should take ownership of our church. Amen. We should take ownership of the house that feeds us spiritually. Amen. We should be concerned. And, and as I continue for the next few minutes, I have no motives why I'm saying this. There's nothing wrong. I'm just teaching you again. Okay? We should have an ownership of the church. We should, we should be concerned about making sure that everything's taken care of and that we're, we're afloat. Because just like your own personal finances, the church goes up and down. There's times there's a little more than enough. There's times there's scarcity. We have seen a lot more scarcity than we've seen more than enough, but we've always made it. We've never lacked. We've always made it. Amen. The electricity's never been turned off in seven years. Doesn't mean it hasn't been behind. Right? Doesn't mean you haven't robbed Peter to pay Paul. But we have never had the electricity turned off. That's a miracle. Amen. We've always paid our rent. Why? Because people are saying, you know what? This is my house. 
I'm going I'm to have ownership of this and I'm going to have love for the house of God. That's what Nehemiah is teaching them here. He's saying at this moment, they have forsaken. They have allowed some things to, to begin to take place. You know what happens sometimes when that happens? People begin to make bad choices or get to a place where they get used to not tithing. Just like you get used to not praying, used to not reading the word, you can get used to not tithing. You can go on for a little while, and I'm just, I'm guessing this because I've never done this personally, but you could, I guess you could go on for a while and be like, well, you know, I'm, I'm still here. God hasn't struck me dead. I still have a house. I still have things. But you can begin like, well, church is making it. It's, we're still, you know, y'all are still here? Amen. I'm just assuming that you could get in that same thing you get in with everything else. And you can go two or three months and be like, well, I'll pay later and whatever. There's an attitude there. And Nehemiah is saying, don't neglect the house. Amen. Take care of the house. Make sure that you're doing your part to make sure that things are right. Now, we're coming up right now on Christmas time. And Thanksgiving. So, you know, because of our culture, we need to buy gifts. Notice I said because of our culture. I don't think we have to buy gifts. You, you got to buy gifts and, and you got to, you know, have, we have all these parties and we have Thanksgiving and we want to eat and it's a great time of the year. But you know what you can't do during this time of the year is say, you know what, I need to buy gifts. So I'm not going to tithe. I, I need that hundred bucks. My kids need toys. They need to, you know, know Christmas is great. God will understand. Come on. I'm just giving some examples because I know how people think. Listen, don't mess with God's money. Don't do that. Don't mess with God's money. Amen. If you're going to do something, mess with something else. But don't mess with God's money. I don't know these things for like, like personally for sure. I just assume again, what about spending my tithe money on my vacation? You know, I got to go on vacation, so I'm not going to pay my tithes this month. These are just scenarios that I imagine can happen. And Nehemiah is saying, why have we forsaken the house of God? Verse 12, he says, then all Judah brought the tithe of the grain and the new wine and the oil to the storehouse. And they even had treasures over the storehouse. There was a time in Exodus, one of my favorite things, I've always believed that would happen someday. There was a time in Exodus where Moses had to tell the people, stop bringing stuff. We got too much. Man, can you imagine that? Never had that happen, but I'd love to see what it would be like. But you know what's funny is even when we got to that place, we'd still have to tithe. We just have to figure out what to do with it. I would love to have that problem. Man, we, got, you know, we, got, we need to have some forums to try to figure out how we're going to spend this money wisely. Wouldn't that be an awesome problem? Wouldn't you love to have a family problem? You go, hey, we got to get together. Serious meeting. We have so much money that we don't know what to do with it. Let's, have a, let's, write some, let's get some ideas here. I mean, that would be an awesome problem, right? Personally in family and in church. It actually happened. Now look at verse 14. Remember me, oh my God. Remember me, oh my God. This is really powerful. Remember me, oh my God. This is, this is Nehemiah who loves the house of God. He's praying to God. And he's saying, God, remember me concerning this. Concerning what? His love for the house of God. 
his love for the zeal that people would not forsake the house of God, that they'd give what they're supposed to give. And he says, and don't wipe out my good deeds that I've done for the house of God and for its services. Remember the, the message I did one time on the book of remembrance? I believe that this is one of those places that the book of remembrance gets written down. Our pastors always taught us, my dad heard this for many years from my pastor, our pastor Jones. He says, God keeps good books. That, that's what you've got to remember. That it doesn't matter, you know, at the end of the year, you're going to get a statement that says how much you've given. And you're going to see that. And, and we, we can keep records and you can have bank statements and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, what matters is that we do what's right. And God sees that and God keeps good books. And you might never, ever get to a place where you are, are blessed like you might want to be blessed or, you know, have what some other people have or whatever it is that's in your mind or conception of, of what being blessed is. But I promise you, if you'll just be like Nehemiah and just do what's right, you just keep doing what's right all the time. If you've been tithing your entire life, don't stop. If you if you've never tithed, start. Try it. He says, this is the only thing in the whole Bible you can test him on. Test me in this, he says. You know, that's the only thing you can test God in is money. But the problem is, a lot of times people test God with the wrong heart. And they say, I'm going to try this for a month. It's like a 30-day trial. Right? Money back guarantee. I'm going to try this for 30 days. And if I don't have, you know, money in the bank or I haven't got a good job, whatever, they stop. That's not the reason to tithe. You tithe because God says to. You tithe because obedience is better than sacrifice. Amen? Now let's go to Matthew and finish with this last verse. Back to Matthew, was it 23? Matthew 23. So we saw that he was rebuking the Pharisees and the Sadducees for their attitudes. And... Um, he goes on to say, and you know, as you're here tonight, the neat thing about this is just like anything else, as you test God's word, we could give the mic to so many people tonight that would say, you know what, I know I've, I've proven that this works. I personally have 23 years with my wife, 23 years of seeing that tithing works. We've never been rich, but we've never lacked. God's always provided We've had ups and downs. But you know what's amazing about tithing and being in obedience to God? Is it's not a promise that you're, it's a lie. These people who teach these things are liars. They're manipulators. I'm not trying to chase a rabbit, but it makes me mad. Those people make me mad. They give God a bad, those prosperity preachers give a bad, bad rap to God. Because they have thousands of people, thousands of people, thousands of people giving money. So obviously there's a lot of money coming into the church. A lot of money. And they're going to sit there and preach a gospel that says, if you, ain't pro if you ain't driving this, if you don't have that, you're not blessed, you're not doing it right. When you have common people working nine to five, working paycheck to paycheck, paying their tithes faithfully, and they're never going to drive a Rolls Royce. And they're never going to live in a mansion. They're never going to have those things. Not that they couldn't. I'm just saying that most of them are not ever going to have those things. It's a bad rap for God. There is no promise. Prosperity is a promise of God, but not in the way that they paint it. 
Okay? Prosperity, I said this last week, the greatest prosperity is health. Because look at somebody like Steve Jobs, who was filthy rich, and he couldn't do anything to stop that cancer. All the money in the world, all the best doctors in the world, he still died. I mean, you could go across the board today, people who have a lot of money, and they would give all their money away to be healthy. So prosperity is not just money. It is something we need. And if your heart's right on it and you don't love money, guess what God will do? God will put money through your hands. Let me see your hands tonight. Just like this. You don't have to raise them. Let me see them. If you'll let money go through those things and they won't be sticky, God will put it there. If you'll take your wallet or your purse and your stuff and you'll say, Lord, I sanctify this tonight. I ask, you to, I ask you to take this and make it holy. God will do miracles. You'll see miracles because what happens is when you tithe and you do what's right, you're in a position that when things go wrong, when a tire blows out, when an engine goes out, when rent gets behind, whenever all those things happen, you're in a position for God to do a miracle. You're in a position. But you can't, have God do a miracle if you're not in the position because God don't bless mess okay so last verse as the musicians come tonight well I'll read it first because I don't want you to miss out it says look at verse look what he says in verse one then Jesus spoke to the multitudes and his disciples he said the scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses seat now look what he says therefore whatever they tell you to observe that observe and do but do not do it according to their works for they say and do not do isn't that powerful so he's saying there very clearly they're teaching you to observe the law they're teaching you to pay tithes they pay tithes do that he says do that but he says don't do it like they do it amen don't do it like they do it. Don't be a hypocrite. Because you know the story of the rich people that would come up and put money in. And the widow came up and gave everything she had. He says she has given everything she had and they have given out of their excess. They have given out of the abundance that they have. And what that widow did was say, God, I trust you. I trust you with my money. It really comes down, money comes down to two things, your heart and trust. Amen? We tr you know, we trust a lot of things in our lives. We trust our job. If you think about that, you trust that, that you're going to get a paycheck after two weeks of work or a week of work. You trust that. Right? There's, there's a faith element there that you, you believe that at the end of the week or every two weeks, that paycheck's going to come. There's faith there. Why would we trust our job and not trust God? Amen? So tonight, this, this was a good teaching for you and me and us to, to realize how important it is to have our hearts right and to have our wallets and our purses sanctified and to be available to, put, to let God put money through us. And what does the Bible say? If you'll be faithful in the little, He'll give you much. You know, a lot of people think they have that attitude. God, if you'll give me a million dollars, don't shut me off. God, if you'll give me a million dollars, I'll tithe. No, you won't. 
I got news for you. No, you won't because you won't tithe on $10. I'm not saying that mean. That's, that's a fact, right? You can't jump from one from tithing $10. You won't give a dollar off of 10, but you're going to give 100000 That's a lie. That's what we say, though. We try to tell ourselves that. If I get a lot of money, I'll give it. No, you won't. Because if you're faithful in the little, he'll, he'll give you much. There was a guy that was in a, in a church one time and with his pastor. And he, they were, he, you know, his pastor was just a normal pastor, normal church, small church, wasn't that big. And he was just a normal lay person, just a normal common man. And he wanted to make money. And he, they prayed one day. And, and he said, let's, let's, let's pray, Pastor. Let's pray that God will bless this church. Let's pray that God will bless me. I want to start a business. Let's just, let's just pray. And they prayed, and God began to bless this man's business. And, and so he began to make good money. And he got to where he was making like $10,000 a month. So he was tithing $1,000 a month. And he got to grow bigger. And he kept making and making and making. And he got to a place where he made his first million dollars. And he tithed. $100,000 off that million. That helped that church, man. But then, God really started blessing him. And then he made $5 million. So he came to his pastor and he said, they had actually parted ways. Pastor was somewhere else, he was somewhere else. He came back filthy rich, making lots of money. He says, he says Pastor, I can't, I can't, I cannot do it. I can't tithe $500,000. I can't do it. I just can't do it. I can't write the check. And the pastor says, let's pray. And they prayed. And he says, I didn't hear what you prayed. What'd you pray? He says, I prayed that you'd go back to making $1,000 so you could tithe off it. Because he got to a place where he was so blessed, he forgot who got him that blessing. That's, that's the danger, right? Is that God could bless us so much that we forget He is the one who brings the good gifts. Amen? You might be struggling here tonight. You might be just, just making it. Just making it. Don't, just like I said Sunday, don't lose hope that God can't do a miracle in your finances. He can change things overnight because He's a covenant God. He can... He can bring breakthrough. You know what? If he doesn't, I'm still going to tithe. I don't live my life waiting for a lottery miracle. I just know that God keeps good books. And I trust every time I tithe that God sees it. And that I'm doing the right thing. And right will come out right. Can you say amen?